This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Uh, there's been like a distant alarm ringing in the background for a while, quiet enough for it's not been picked up on mic. And now there are flashing blue lights outside of my window. Yeah, I can see those flashing lights in the background. Of the, there's like a mirror or something. Yeah, so uh, that's fun. Uh, yeah. What's the... What's the alarm? Is that a fire alarm? Possibly. Um, <laughs> not not close enough to be in my building. There are multiple buildings in this complex. Oh, so, it's a different building. Yeah, so it's it's fine. It's not affecting me. So clearly there is no problem. <laughs> Ignore the fire alarm. I think it, it is fine. It is. I, I, think, I think it's fine. Um, but just if it turns out that, that I might have to take action, I will, I will step away. But just... <laughs> Anyway. She finds debts by giving out powers and calls them in in order to make deals with lumens so that when a William and a Margaret arrive at her door, she will be able to dispatch them. But of course that was not enough for your queen. After nigh countless cycles of doing that, she happened upon you. You were the perfect thing for her plan. A strange retelling of the story, compelling in its own way. And so when you were about to drown, she pulled you from the river. And you did what she had committed you to do, what you had committed yourself to do. And that is live. As as long as you live, the cycle will not repeat If you don't die, there will be no changeling to replace you. If you and Margaret don't fall together, then there will be no new William and no new Margaret to threaten her dominion. And of course, I struck back because I was jilted in my own deals. So when the Forest Queen finally desperately reached out to the Mariner himself in order to commit her foul deeds... I tore your love from his arms, but I held on to her, and I molded her a new body, and I returned her to the world of the living, and you two found one another once again. And now, William, with this story, you are free to do whatever you like. Then... 
I suppose the only question left is, will you help me kill the Forest Queen? I believe if you truly wish to destroy the Forest Queen, that will be up to you and my daughter. And unlike her, I don't wish to meddle in those affairs. Gable is like gripping Ormar's arm just because <laughs> they know that Ormar can't field it like just really really hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is like a sense of response that something is hot, and he like gradually looks towards you and is all like, "Okay, it's not an attack. We're fine." Gradually looks <laughs> back towards the conversation. Mm-hmm. Very well. Then I suppose I'll need to find Margaret. You must do something first, and that is release this poor creature, as you have sworn to me that you will do. Oh, I thought killing the queen would be kind of a two-for-one. But I, you know, I could just take him with me now, too. William. Travis. The thing that you will need in the coming days is to realize your potential. One of the things that I don't blame you for, one of the reasons that I have not drowned you in frustration watching you these 200 years, is that you have lived according to your nature. Sphere has placed in front of you fate. And what have you done? You have yearned. You have given to impulse. And you have followed your will. If fate is placed before you, you will walk in the other direction. If a story is presented to you, you will transform it. You are the changeling. You should consider embracing that, at least in part. And your first act is to realize your own light. Yes, the Forest Queen can make a changeling but she cannot break one as soon as a changeling is made it is in your domain and the only power that she holds over them are the deals she strikes then I would like to try some magic alright Johnny how you want to do this well I don't know you know it's also um it's also new. Because we could we could do this as a roll. I could also draw from the deck of luminaries, you know. Um, okay, what if... Can I try... What, here's what I want to try, I think. Mm-hmm. I want to try and take this little creep and <laughs> basically, like, transfer his changelingness into me. Ooh! Yeah. Mm. So I don't know if, okay. you know, we we both gotta cut, I gotta cut my hand, he's gotta cut his little creep paw, and we do a little handshake and do have some, you know, magic wrap around our hands, and then slowly he turns into a man. So, Johnny, I, I think what I am kind of hearing is you describing a ritual 
and you know we, we we've talked about the idea of ritual and sacrifice and, and things before really anytime you do magic in sphere you are calling on the foundational sources of power for magic now if i'm the changeling Mm-hmm. Mr. Changeling, yeah. <laughs> Esquire. The it's ritual what, is whatever I say it is. That is that is mm. true. That is true. So when I say the sources of power, what I mean are all spells, really, r- regardless of the fact that, you know, that they, they are coming from a seer, an angel, a luminary, or some farmer somewhere. All spells are are drawing on the same core elements, which are story. Is it a compelling tale? It is. Is it something that makes sense in a way that people could believe that that would please a sense beyond sense? Uh. Tradition. Is it something that has been re- repeated and reinforced? A story that has been told time and time again, not just from person to person but across a culture. Place, is it taking place in somewhere that is significant, that symbolizes something important? Land, wave, and sky, does it use the elements of sphere? Is it pulling on the sky? Is it pulling on the sea? Is it taking from the bones of the earth? Soul, does it have something to do with your immortal existence, the being that you have beyond being? at the core of yourself. Love and labor. Is it something that you have committed your heart to? Is it something that represents the effort that you have put into it? Is it something that represents what it means to you personally? Bone, blood, and breath. Is it something that you have committed your physical body to? Something that you have lent a personal part of yourself? Sacrifice. Is it something that costs you? Something that will take away something valuable to give you something valuable in return? These are the core pillars of magic. So while you weave this ritual, the more of these pillars that you touch on, the stronger your spell is going to be. And you're right. You are the changeling. You are a luminary, which means that you have a significant amount of story going into it. Any ritual that you decide will have some power, but if it is prepared carefully, it will have more power. And I'm telling you, as your game master, doing this like big ritual, the more elements that you can justify as part of what you're doing, the better your role is going to be. We're going to start you out at one green die, and go for it. Then That's enough. Upgrade it. Do it for each <laughs> each detail that feels like you're hitting. Uh, Nathan, you you had raised yes. a finger. Yes. So, uh, and I like this if this is a detail that is unbeknownst to Travis, because when Oromar casts spells, it draws on the power of the heart that Travis is holding, and Travis takes the strain damage. I like the fact that if Travis is going to this very laissez-faire and it's like, I don't need to sacrifice anything from this, but it's still holding on to the heart that this actually causes. 
in effect, uh, strain damage on Oromar inadvertently, and neither of us are necessarily uh, uh, uh. aware that that will be a factor mm. in this uh, oh, cool. full metal alchemist equivalent exchange. <laughs> no! I like no. this. I like the idea. I think you've just invented another mechanic for us, Nathan, in that <laughs> this is a big spell, mm. right? This is a, a huge sort of mythical spell because it is something that a luminary is doing. That means that, like, the normal strain cost of two strain for a normal spell just is not going to be sufficient. So I think, Johnny, each detail that you add of the ritual that reflects one of the core pillars of magic is simply going to cost two strain. So there's two strain for the spell itself and then two strain for each detail that you add that will add power to the spell. So, yeah, you're going to need to share this between you and Oromar with Oromar's heart because there's a very real chance that after this is done, you may still have to face the cutting stone. And I really do like the peril that that puts mm. you in. Don't worry. Gable's holding Oromar's hand. And so it's fine. I got 13 strains. Fuck me up. <laughs> I, I think um, obviously we're each going to cut our hands. So that's, that's bl- the blood one. Mm-hmm. So I get one green for that. So so your green upgrades to a yellow. Ah, I see. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Rules. This is going to be a slow build. Oh, God. You you told me like a million different magic things. Does it fit the story? What are we doing to make it? Yeah. So, it, it hey, it double fits the story because I'm, I'm doing the thing Rusalka asked me. And technically, I'm killing a changeling, which is what the Forest Queen wanted. That's true. Mm. I will I will add another one for that. So that's one green and one yellow, yes. So so that's one green and, and one, one yellow. yellow. Okay. We're, we're we're three upgrades there, which is six strain. I think it would be funny though I don't know whether or not it would help, but it's a good bit if I do pull out my Illimat deck and I know that this will happen is every single card I draw is a changeling. I think that's Incredible. just a funny bit. That's a good bit. Yeah, love that. Um, love that. So uh, I'll take like three yellow for that. And... <laughs> so that will upgrade. You are now at two yellow. Oh, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. That's plenty. That's plenty. How, how? What's the difficulty on this bad boy? I think this is at least hard. Which is three That's purple. three yeah. purple? Mm-hmm. This, mm-hmm. You're telling me that this isn't daunting, James? <laughs> Liz. You're right, Liz. This is daunting. <laughs> is daunting. So now you have to deal with that. Is daunting Liz, Liz sort of talked it I'm up. Just yeah. I'm just and saying. And that's in the rules of the game. Anybody can look up the game that we're mm-hmm. playing, which is distinctly not the core game, which is any at any time Liz can just say, shouldn't this be harder? And it does become shouldn't harder. <laughs> I just feel like I have to roll out of hard ones. So. Oh, God. What were all the... Can you just like go down the list? Oh, you let's, let's, to, let's walk you through or, or you if through. you share yeah. this so, do you, is this a document st- that you can share it it is a document but i it there's a lot to it it's a little so complicated blood, it's not just a bullet got story point. and we've got audience so, so yeah. using any you've, elemental you've, effects? you've already hit story there's tradition mm. which i don't know that really tradition is going to work here the next is place a question of where you're doing it so he is Sort of stuck between the swamp and the woods, or the water and the woods, mm-hmm. in a swamp. What if yeah. I, because, either because I am there, or what if we move him out of the place where he's, like, supposed to be guarding? 
I don't know which would be better for. I think actually, like you, you have touched on something in that this is where the river meets the sea meets the swamp. It is a place where, like, fundamentally, these elements are flowing together and changing. So I, I think the place actually is a very significant place, right where you are right now. Great. So love to hear it. That's two yellow, one green. Next after place is land, wave, and sky. Mm. How would you be incorporating? sphere itself into this and that can be like as simple as arranging rocks or whatever you know interesting um oh what if we do like at the start of the ritual there's like okay i want to i want to do it like in the in the swamp i think at the start there would be some the little lizard fella deer man Mm -hmm. would be sort of in the swampiness then sort of surrounded by, you know, some kind of wreath or arrangement of leaves and plant life, forest stuff. And then during the ritual, I want to separate the forest stuff and the water stuff from where he's standing so that he's just like on dry land. I like that. I like that a lot. So that is three yellow dice that you have right now. And uh, and 12 string. (laughs) But it's okay. I'm holding Oromar's hand. Mm-hmm. Is that that feels like that feels like enough, right? Yeah. It's feels, three yellow versus four purple. Feels pretty good. Feels pretty good. I would advise you, probably, probably mm. advise you that you might want one more okay. element. Okay. We have soul. That would be committing a part of your immortal form to it, which I don't know that that's necessarily appropriate. Well, that feels like the the reverse is what I want to do, really. I want to take part of his soul to turn him into a man. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I'll lose one yellow, turn it into a green for that one. (laughs) There's, There's love and labor, which is, you know, first of all, I don't, I don't know how much emotion there is between you and Raul. Like he is a friend of yours or was at one point, but there's also labor. How much personal effort and care are are you putting into this? And is there a way that you could put personal effort and care into this? There's bone, blood, and breath. You you're already committing blood to this in some way. And then after that, there is sacrifices which you know can be bodily sacrifices but they can also be metaphysical you know jonnet sacrificed the the knowledge and memory of hip to face the mariner so like th- there are things that you can do and i'm kind of open to to hearing them none of the remaining things really feel like what i'm going for if that makes mm-hmm. sense and I th- I think that we were like close, but kind of not really because we, yeah, you know, like we both kind of kept secrets from each other. So we were close in a very superficial way, I think. I think we could wind up being closer after this. I think I think this is the kind of thing that brings people together, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you rip the curse from their soul and, you know, then they're a little bit more than a drinking buddy. Yeah. So I. I know you advised me to get one more, but to that I say, poo-poo. Delicious. May I, oh, one, one last thing. May I suggest please, that please. there is like a blue dye for the fact that Oromar is essentially doing a pain split with you on this? Mm. 
And Gable has point. Liz has pointed out multiple times that I, Gable is Ormar's I mean, I don't know if that means that the pain split is three ways or not, but at least the emotional support. Ormar falls. It's like electricity. It's it's more like oh, if Ormar faints, I got you. You won't you won't bonk your head. It won't hurt that bad. Oh, okay. So so Gable is not intending to join the pain split okay no i don't i don't think gable knows what's going no. on <laughs> this is this is a very unbeknownst like a, an element yeah. that neither of us are going to be aware is going to happen we just know as far sense. as i'm concerned <laughs> gable is like just saw like the force queen told a very long story and now travis is doing a craft <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> of and, and in Gable's head, yeah. it's just baby bottle pop, baby, baby bottle pop, pop, baby bottle pop. Yeah, uh, with increased urgency and terror. It uh, ain't yeah. baby bottle pop. It ain't breakfast. <laughs> it ain't. <laughs> <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, yeah, so this is a a two-way pain Mm -hmm. split, so I will ask Johnny and Nathan to both take seven strain. Do I get a blue for that or no? Yeah, we'll we'll give you a blue for the, for that paint mm-hmm. but you are not alone in doing this. Okay, per, permission to both grip and rip. Johnny, grip it, rip it, baby. Oh, oh, that that was an emotion. Uh-huh. Oh, unreadable. Got? Oh yeah, unreadable. Oh yeah, that is one advantage. That means, okay, that means we do have to draw a luminary okay. to, to see how this goes. Full wash. Oof. I'm realizing now I did leave my deck of luminaries upstairs, so I'm going to run upstairs really, really quick. That's cool. Gives us a moment to steal our nerves. <laughs> Just fuck me. <laughs> One advantage. Mm-hmm. That's so, like, especially with those big dice mm-hmm. pools of just being a... I know. It's insane. It was bracing for like two failures and a triumph, but no, no, mm-hmm. just 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 an advantage. <laughs> but then, with how classically these kind of like uh, draws have been in the uh, mm-hmm. in this moment, um, I'm safely putting my money on the card draw being either the Changeling or the Forest Queen. Man, Changeling Could- would be very good. upsetting. Mm. I would quit the show. <laughs> Like I can't, I can't be involved in this anymore. <laughs> Pull a card, boy. I'm shuffling first. I gotta I'm, shuffle. I'm shuffling. Every day he's shuffling. Boop, All right, Johnny, boop, boop, I'm, I'm fanning him out. Is there somewhere you want it pulled from? Uh, get or... the one that's the changeling. So whichever, wherever that one is, wherever that is. Okay. I'm gonna say um, left third. Something in the left third. Okay. Okay. I think I'm getting a little tingle from here. Mm. Yes. What is it, okay. James? What is it, James? Yes! Ah! <laughs> I win. I win so James. much money. I need to go to Vegas no. literally right now. No. I swear. I, am, I swear. I'm quitting I swear. the show. I've done nothing. I'm leaving. Is- 
this haunted show. This is my I cannot full, do this. This is my full deck. I got I like when I got upstairs, I was like, where's my Illimat thing? And I, we've got several copies of Illimat because, mm. you know, this is a home that's always prepared for the worst situation. And I was like, where's where's mine? And I was looking around. I was about to grab one of the other ones. And Mel pointed me in the direction of mine that has, you know, all of the, the play test cards that are unreleased and also has all of the crane wife cards and whatnot. I pulled the changeling. I did what Johnny told me. Absolutely. I stayed to the left third. You were feeling the tingling. You said. There's no way. You said. People I aren't going to believe you. No one's going to believe you. I'm no. so mad that, I, I. first of all, I'm not recording this thing on Zoom, Zoom, which I should be anyway. But also, I, I wouldn't have had the camera mm. on it. But yeah. Fuck. Yeah, we need an oh, we need an overhead camera for okay. for okay. this too. A little bit I late. Cool, I get to be in a dressing bowl. gown for the uh, for prosperity. Excellent. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Is it? Is it dressing? Not to change the subject, but is a dressing gown? Is that a robe? Is that what we would call a robe? I guess so. Or is that yes. Something different. I think so. Okay. Oh, Johnny, you fucking pervert! You just want to know if it's some Harry Potter bullshit. No. <laughs> <laughs> What? Would we say that's a dressing robe? No, no, Perhaps. no. Fuck I, off. I would never, I would not, I don't mean I would never, but I mean I, w- I wouldn't, there's nothing in my life that I would describe as a dressing gown. You oh, know okay. what I mean? Sure, I have sure, no, sure. You don't I have, have no, I, I, I have I, a robe, I, I, yes. I, I take objection to like a specific British phrase being Harry Potter shit. I specifically object That's fair. to that for many reasons. I think that shows up how remarkably uncreative that like we, we thought, oh, this is a magical world. It's, it's just, just Britain. Unfortunately, just, Honestly. just Britain. Um, it, this is so whimsical. No, it's just, 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 oh, just the UK. Just Edinburgh. <laughs> Edinburgh's great. Please hear that. <laughs> um, yes. In my head, a dressing gown would be like what, uh, you know, like what Ebenezer Scrooge wears when he's visited by all the I guess, I guess yeah. that yeah. is what, I, I did watch the Muppets, uh, <laughs> like, like a Christmas Carol actually literally two days ago and yeah yeah mm. i guess it's more of a smoking jacket or whatever the fuck mm. um well yeah probably the difference is like dressing gown goes down to the floor and a robe is supposed to be like hit you at the thigh mm. that's just my conjecture yeah, this is a <laughs> knee length joint that we're rocking right now mm. but yes while you're away from the mic i was kind of like betting betting it's either forest queen or changeling just so uh, i need to i, I need to cannot. apparently uh take out a lottery ticket right now but uh <laughs> haunted program i I think the thing that freaks me out the most is at this point i'm just so jaded Mm -hmm. by this show and how it works that like of the don't don't say that on record fucking cards that (laughs) i have i have 30 cards that like oh yeah i just pulled the changeling because the show is magic so that was bound to fucking happen Last say fair. I hope you're happy, Johnny. I'm sorcery <laughs> took place. So I, really I would assume what happens is it because you know this is the first time I'm trying my my. my I'm sorry. Powers. This already happened once. This arc we yeah. already did something exactly like this. This uh-huh. arc did we? Yeah. yeah did we, do? we did, and you don't even remember because it doesn't feel significant because it happens all the time <laughs> I'm sorry we're yelling so much Casey I apologize thank you for the apology it's deserved um, ah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm over it I'm over it Johnny please continue please continue. I'm over Johnny too you know 
Same. God. I ju- I think that since this is the first time that I've used my little magic, mm-hmm. tried tried my little little magic, it seems like it's not gonna work, and that's why I mean that's why we had to pull the luminary. So I think that like maybe at first instead of me taking the changeling from him, it starts to like go the other way, and I'm like, oh no 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 no, and have to like really kind of steal myself and pull it back. Let's let's pull up the the changeling's mm. description here. Fair enough. The changeling is transformation, yearning, impulse, and will. Uh, the divination is something is in flux. The new is more important than the old. The changeling is far more concerned with what might be won than what could be lost. They are willing to stand against any force that might attempt to stymie their growth. A person in the thrall of the changeling is transforming, and they intend to see it through. So, yeah, you are you're in this position i think that is uncomfortable for travis in that like you're kind of having to accept a a mythic role as it were like travis has made it very clear through you know rash decision making and kind of maudlin uh, morose lamentations at gable that he doesn't like being the force or, or, or you know at at will to forces that are larger than himself it freaks him out even when there are things that potentially could make him happy involved he, he kind of just doesn't like not having what he sees as total agency over a situation so you're doing this very old magic, and I do think it goes wrong at first because it feels so counter to what you want out of life. But because we have the changeling backing you here, I kind of think there is a way to put some some Travis Madigo stank on it. Mm-hmm. A way to like change this process to be something that you would prefer instead of what exists and would have come to pass otherwise because as the changeling you can change what that means as long as you are following your will and your impulses and your yearning there's a lot that you can do with it so I'll tell you the vision that I had for this if this spell was simply successful it would have torn away the animal forms from the soul of your friend you would have absorbed the axolot and the key deer into yourself, and those would have been new fun things that Travis could have transformed into. But also, in addition to that, because there is no human body, because in a deal with the Forest Queen, he is completely given up, Raul has given up his human form to the point where it just doesn't exist anymore— all that would remain was his human soul that that still lived somewhere in this tangle between these two forms and animal spirits. And that soul would have simply been committed to Rusalka's arms in the river. But Johnny, you can change that. How would you like to if you would like to at all? And if you decide that you would not like to change it at all, I, I would want to know why Travis decides that he is just going to go along with the way that things are because that would represent character growth as well. Could I, in this process, can I transform into whatever, some animal, doesn't matter. 
and until my next transformation, basically give him my human body. Damn. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Because um, because if he's not going to be immortal, if Rusalka maybe is going to take him anyway, kind of give him my body to get his affairs in order, and then I'll take it back. Heroes, it's James, your game master, and welcome to the moment you have all been waiting for. The newest generic mid-roll is out. That's right. This one is updated, and it's more generic than ever. Uh, just so everybody knows, I'm doing generic mid-rolls because I recently had a baby. Heroes, our captain, our very own Nathan Blades, has designed a brand new role-playing game called The Ballad of Conjurers. It was inspired by JRPGs and the melodrama that they are famous for. And you can pick it up right now on Itch for just five bucks. You can find it by looking Nathan Blades up on Itch or by following the link in our show notes. Heroes, I've also got something new coming out. I wrote a direct follow-up to my very first book, The Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guide, called The Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guide Expanded Genres Edition. Basically, we took the concept of prompts and exercises to help you develop backstories for characters at your role-playing table, or really any original characters you want to work on, that use game mechanics to make the process easy and fun, and we expanded it way past the fantasy adventure genre while also including exercises for fantasy adventure. If you're the type of person who loves thinking about your characters or characters in any property that you love, I highly recommend picking up this book. It's coming out in June, but you can pre-order it right now. And pre-ordering is super important. Not only does it tell the bookstores that people are interested in this book, but it tells my publisher that people are interested in this book, and it helps me publish more books and therefore support myself and my family. You can pre-order a copy now by heading to bit.ly slash RPG Backstory 2, and that's 2 as in the numeral 2, or by going anywhere books are sold and signing up for a pre-order. That is all major online retailers, every major brick-and-mortar bookstore, and of course your favorite indie brick-and-mortar bookstores. And I always recommend you go to an indie bookstore or a friendly local game store to order a copy because it helps out so many people. So put yourself down for a pre-order for the Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guide Expanded Genres Edition today. With that said, I want to thank Lex the Lexicon Artist for joining us as a guest for this arc. In addition to our regular game, for this arc we're playing StarCrossed, the two-player Forbidden Romance RPG. StarCrossed was designed by my dear friend and former network member Alex Roberts and is published by Bully Pulpit Games. You can pick up your own copy of StarCrossed by following the link in our show notes. A big thank you to all the cast and crew who are involved in producing the music for this arc. That is not just our guest for the arc, Lex the Lexa Con Artist, but it's also Arnie Parrott, our house musician, Tyler Davis, who you're going to be hearing later on, James Mendez Hodes, who wrote some lyrics for one of the songs that'll be appearing much later on in the arc, and of course Casey Tony, our editor, for choosing when and where it appears in the show. And also a huge thank you to Tracy Barnett, who assisted Casey Tony on the editing for this arc. As always, one of the biggest thank yous goes to our Patreon patrons who made everything you're listening to possible by supporting the show. Let's thank them right now. Thanks to everyone who supports us already and everyone who's going to support us in the future. 
Now, with all of that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. And John, the the next card is the Star Watcher. The Star Watcher's themes are guidance, wisdom, and clarity. You will find information that clarifies your path forward. It will help you see hidden danger and provide you a path around it. Like a guiding star in the night sky, the Star Watcher is a fixed reminder that there is a way forward. So I feel like this is... An opportunity to maybe just have a a moment like on the ship that maybe is is Jonet's like clarifying like I'm supposed to be here. I can make a path for myself. It's either that or I feel like this is the first instance of touching the feather and getting like a like hit with all of that. I think this might be the first moment of touching the feather. It really does feel like that to me. And so I think that there's, I don't know, it feels like there is a very trippy line that we have to walk because Jonathan has to remember this while also not remembering who gave him the feather. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. So I think that... This warm feeling that kind of washes over our our duo right now, like we get hit with this wave, the memory of Wei's experience kind of like washes over, but it also ends. And in the second wave, it's another sense of warmness. And like, we just see some scene painting of the interior of Jonet's house. It's a mixture of like, wooden brick it's not anything fancy but it's bright it's a cool summer day zana is kind of running around the house like gleefully this is this is kind of i don't want to say past the point of drought but like we this is past the point of the community has kind of come together to make the best of the situation that it's in and so there are smiles that can be seen and so now we see footsteps like running to the door and the door being like flung open and we hear it's delivery day. It's delivery day. And so we kind of intuit that that is Zana at the front door and she's kind of like, <laughs> I would, I would do this like as a kid on Christmas where I would just like, like I had a, like a jingle bell that I would ring throughout the house to get people awake so we can like open up stuff we the door flies open and then we hear this like steps out onto like this sort of front porch area and uh we see loose debris and like dust that collects on like a railing get brushed over with what looks like the tiny little hands of a little kid she kind of like leans over and like very excitedly looks out into the distance and then we see young Jonet like kind of like walk up to the hands 
that we don't see, but like join in and like get excited, get excited. And then we hear like larger footsteps of Douglas kind of like, (laughs) okay, okay, okay. I know it is delivery day. It is the same day every month. So you don't need to tell me that kids. All right. Um, And it's like, but I'm just excited. I want to know what I'm going to get. I was like, okay, well, if you don't calm down, all right, you're not going to get anything. And then there's like a hush that goes over both Zana and Janet. And then it's like, now you know I'm playing with you. Yeah! <laughs> um, and so um, and so then we kind of get this moment where Janet and Zana and Douglas, everybody is kind of on the porch, kind of looking out. And we see them get very excited. And it's like, he's here, he's here, yeah! And they're celebrating. They're kind of waving to their friend. And, and it's like, where you been? You're late. You're late. <laughs> and then we see Janet's form, like, run out into the, the front yard and walk up and, like, greet nothing. And there is no, whereas with Zana and Douglas, we get a sense of their their forms. We see like the dirt that they kick up when they move. We maybe feel their footsteps and like they have weight in this world. Jonnet, this old Jonnet, is talking to nothing. There are no footsteps. At one point, Jonnet being like trying to be uh, the the grown up child that he is still gives like a up up and like Jonnet is lifted into the air but we don't see any we don't get a sense of any hands like rippling clothes or it's truly kind of ghost like where Jonnet goes up up and then he is just very mechanically almost as if like if you're animating in like after effects like the keyframes are just like up and round and down there is no, it's very mechanical. And Jonnet, our current day Jonnet, looks at this and we see his brow furrow. And he's like, wait, I, I know what day this is. This is the day that I get my eye. This is the day that I touch. And, and so... I think a little bit more absent-mindedly, he kind of makes his way down off the porch and to join in with the younger Jonnet, and he's kind of very inquisitively, kind of nervously watching his younger self talk up to the wind. And he watches his younger self ask, how were the travels? Uh, how many ships did you fly in this time? Like, how many gifts did you get me? How big is the gift that you get me? Why don't Why don't you just tell me what what you got me? I'm so curious. And then we watch younger Jonnet reach up and wrap his hands around nothing and lead the air hurriedly back into the house. And we kind of leave our current day Jonnet truly trying desperately to grasp what he's not seeing. And in that, I think there might be opportunities 
for him to naturally want to look up at Teacher Way, but I think any opportunity that may present itself, like he is avoiding it and he's trying to solve a very specific equation where like he does not have X. Yeah. And as, as your brain like tries to wrap itself around it, 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 it is almost like you are washing over it. Sweat again gathers on your brow. You can feel like that pinprick sensation over your body, like especially on your hands. It, it, it's just every time you feel like you're getting closer to it, there is something powerful that is washing you away, pulling you in every other possible direction. And I think with that, he he's like, today is the day that I get the feather. Today is the day that I find my eye. And I got the feather from... I got the feather from... Way you are watching Jonnet struggle right now. What, what do you do? This is the day. This is the day. This is the day that my life changed. And there is a... There is somebody that... Changes. You don't remember this person. You don't remember how you got the feather. I know, I know. And I, I think there's like there's a there's a small element of a snap that Jonathan does not mean, but definitely like mm-hmm. surfaces like I know what today is. I know that I got the feather from It happens it happens in the summertime. Every month. Every month in the summertime it's delivery day. And I got toys and I got I got a nice, I got the satchel bag and I got the feather and I got that from delivery day on, and that came from, and Johnny kind of like very hurriedly walks into the house to like kind of regain the memory. And I feel like we catch back up in the memory where at this point, Douglas is patting nothing on the back. You can see Zana's spectral form kind of like leaning back as if it was pulling on clothing that we don't get a sense of. Then everybody kind of like, Douglas has his hand rested on kind of just like shoulder height. The two, Jonnet and Zana, step back in sort of like the equivalent of like a drum roll moment. And then, whereas I think we would get a sense of like hands moving into pockets or anything like that, we don't see that. It's just a light switch. At one point, there was no feather. At another point, there's a feather hovering in the air and a map hovering in the other equidistance in the air and the map gets handed floats its way very mechanically directly into Zana's hand the feather floats its way mechanically into younger Jonnet's hand and I think in that moment I don't know it feels like because we are in like a divinely attuned moment we would kind of see energy happens like there is like an EMP it it like hugely ripples out there is a moment of like airiness in the world and then it all just sucks back in and then I think the vestige of our younger Jonnet is the same but there is a, a line on his forehead yeah, I think it is not 
too dissimilar from what we saw with Teacher Wei mm. in that the lines of the universe are now connecting yeah. into Jonnet. Like mm. they are drawn into his body and through his body, into his soul, through his soul, enmeshed. And the thing is, especially about seeing the world the way that Wei is able to see the world in, in the pocket space is everything is connected to everything else. The, the, the lines of the universe of possibility are all connected in some way, but those connections are so much more solid now that the grounding, the anchor that Jonnet has in this eye that like slowly forms, it's like the tendrils of the universe like envelop around Jonnet's forehead and like pull open his his forehead to the world around him. And it is striking, especially to Wei, because this connection is complete and and flawless. It it is something whole that is transferred into Jonnet that does not belong to him and is also entirely his. Mm. The feather so, uh, is not consumed in the way that the feather is consumed when Gable touches angel feathers either. It, it is granted and transferred and also doesn't leave. Mm. Yeah. So I think this whole time, I think Wei has wanted to show a level of you know, concern and also uh, comfort towards Jonnet because they realize that there's this very important person that they're having trouble remembering. And then now I think that they're kind of taken aback and shocked and amazed at what they see with Jonnet's transformation. And they, you know, are further convinced that Jonnet has indeed had this experience that was, you know, not dissimilar to Wei's own experience, but, you know, with someone who, instead of like a lover, seems to be something of a mentor or someone who is very important in his life, but for some reason he's not able to remember that. And, you know, that's why Jonnet earlier had said, I don't know if I've ever had a similar experience. So I think now Waze would be very curious to know what happened and why why this person is no longer in Jonnet's memory. So this person seems to be, to have been very important to you. Why can't you remember them? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, the pinpricks that, that you are feeling like, it becomes painful, somewhat reminiscent of of the botched spell that you cast back on the civility where to steal the sound from the nails that you drove into the cannons it felt like they drove into your back now it feels like those pinpricks are a nail driving into your palm it is excruciating it feels cold like static is filling your mind and brain tv static a loud hiss 
the hiss of a powerful wave of water breaking apart and roaring, rolling forward, crashing over you, freezing you in your place. The harder you fight to drive towards these memories, the, the more painful their absence feels. It overwhelms you until the memory itself falls apart. I think the falling apart aspect, I feel like, definitely provokes of just like a no, 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 yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. I, I don't, I don't want it to end yet. I don't think that stops anything, but I feel like there is a, a pain moment where it's like he is trying to force his eye to act and do something, and it's not. Oh yeah, you flare your eye open like you the threads that we saw like seeding themselves into Jonnet's soul in the creation of the eye we can see him tugging them forward trying to pull the universe around him apart in order to force these images out of his head but they are simply not there we can see the powerful connections of the universe forming the absence of a thing I think so completely that way, you know, it is a negative image of a person. You might even be able to get an idea of this person's features, but that just cannot stick in Jonnet's mind. And as the memory falls apart, as, as Jonnet try, the more Jonnet tries to force it, the farther he gets and the more that it pains him, new memories rush to fill the void. And those come from way. And way as much as you would like to hold it back and stop it, you get the impression that the harder Jonnet tries to remember this right now, the, the greater mm. risk to himself he creates. Mm. I feel like that has to come from way. So uh, I, it feels like Jonnet, Jonnet like is kind of having this feeling of like desperation and then also feels Way's memories taking us to the next thing. And so he kind of turns to Wei. He's like, will you stop? Will you stop for just one second? I'm trying to think. This is for your own good, Jonnet. Honestly. It's going to be really bad if you try to push yourself and force yourself to remember something that is clearly not part of you anymore. I know it hurts, but we have to do this. I think he's he's probably dazed enough where like the new memory can happen, but you know. mm-hmm. yeah. I think like I think also there's a physical component to this where I'm kind of like gripping his shoulder, basically shaking him once and saying like, "We need to move on. We do need to move on from this." And in a way, it feels like the universe shakes you and rocks you too. We know in the outside world, Jonnet has unmatched command of the world around him. If he has desire and will, he can find the path towards what he needs when he needs it. That is the power that his eye grants him and and helps him find. But this is not the world. This is a world of ways making where Wei speaks the words that move the world. And so when Wei rocks Jonnet, the world rocks Jonnet. And it is enough to drift him away from the pain that he is so desperately chasing. But 
I don't think pain necessarily entirely leaves the atmosphere as we come to the final card that I drew for Wei, and that is the children, which again, Mm. and I cannot emphasize this enough, I did not set this up. (laughs) These are raw draws. Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. Welcome to Character Creation Cast, a show where we create and discuss characters, the best part of role-playing games, with guests using their favorite systems. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Bolter. And I'm your other host, Amelia Antrim. Join us as we sit down with game designers, podcasters, and fans of games as we dive into learning about different RPGs through the lens of character creation. It's a combination of character building, player advice, game design insights, and even a little bit of fan fiction for a different game every month. We tackle a variety of new and old games, both well-known and indie-produced titles. We learn how creating characters can tell us a lot about the games themselves. Check us out today anywhere you can get podcasts or on the OneShot Podcast Network at OneShotPodcast.com. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Like System Mastery. System Mastery is a delightful stroll through the history of role-playing games. Except the games are terrible and the hosts are real jerks about everything. Join hosts Jeff and John as they explore the weirdest games ever made to talk about what worked, what went wrong, and which Silverhawk was the best. It was Hotwing. You can find their shows at SystemMasteryPodcast.com or through a link on the OneShot website. Finally. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. He also co-stars and consults on Showtime's Work in Progress. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcasts, Bill Buds and Dilettante Ball. Captain Oromar Vale was played by Nathan Blades, who can be found on Twitter at PhantomArtsENT. You can also find them streaming on twitch.tv slash theneoncaster. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this podcast was written, composed, and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find him on Twitter over at A-R-N-E... P-A-R-R-O-T-T. You can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony, who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony, or on his podcast, Neoscum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists, and Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show uses a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system, designed by Sam Stewart and a team of talented professionals 
who were fired by the private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. To the strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends near to rise, twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the sky.